0: Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in New Orleans to speak with Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans about Zion Williamson signing with Jordan Brand, Christmas Day action for the Pelicans and what it means for their future. We'll go to Washington to speak with Troy Halliburton of Locked On Wizards about John Wall and his recent comments on his contract and what will happen with Bradley Beal this season. And lastly, we go to the Bay Area to speak with Charles Hamilton of Locked On Warriors about Draymond green's extension to his contract it's all coming up the biggest stories with the local experts on locked on nba
1: you are locked on the nba part of the locked on podcast network
0: Hello, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the lead analyst at basketballmonster.com. I am fresh back off a trip to the United States. I've been there for the last month, so you've had other people like David Locke filling in for me on Monday, but I am back now to take the Monday reins on Locked On NBA. We've got a fair bit to talk about, despite it being a quiet period in the NBA. Contract extensions uh, agreed upon, contract extension discussion, uh, high uh, Christmas Day games, all that sort of stuff. So let's get to it. Now let's bring in the host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast, Jake Madison is here to talk to us about this Pelicans team, and there's been a little bit of interesting stuff happening with New Orleans and the Pelicans team, but before we get into that, Jake, uh, I just got back from uh, from your lovely city, and from all the cities that I was in over in the United States, it seems that the hype in, uh, in New Orleans for the Pelicans exceeds these other cities. I was in San Francisco, I was in New York, I was in Miami, and I didn't see much Warriors or Knicks or Heat stuff, but in New Orleans, there's a lot of Pelican stuff, and specifically, there's a lot of Zion stuff around.
2: Yeah, you know, the city kind of really has come around to this and there's been a lot of excitement since it, you know, we found out that when they won the draft lottery and they would be selecting Zion Williamson, I think part of it is kind of just rallying around being spurned by AD and just wanting to embrace this new guy, but yeah, I mean, it's Zion, there's, there's a whole lot to like and not a lot that you don't want to like, so this city is a big sports town in general, predominantly football, but I think you're going to start to see some real NBA passion come to the surface.
0: Yeah, obviously there's a lot of science stuff around while I was there, but I was staying uh, um near the corner of Union Street and someone had gone to the the street sign there taped over the UNN and and posted a big Z a big Z up there so I just read Zion Street right on the corner of where I was staying so the hype is obviously there billboards all around the city and one of the new billboards that had gone up Jake was a Zion Williamson Jordan brand uh, billboard here signed with Jordan brand now for what I believe is the largest rookie shoe contract I think in NBA history I could be wrong on that um that sort of commitment from the from Jordan brand is is obviously big um yeah, what, what are we looking at here with Zion? How much are we going to be seeing him in terms of national spotlight? And how, how much does that actually help the Pelicans in terms of um, national appreciation? But also yeah, moving forward in the future of getting people to come here, people wanting to be traded here, wanting to stay. It, it's, it seems to me from an outsider's perspective that it's going to be huge.
2: Yeah, you know, I'd say this just kind of legitimizes everything a little bit more. We've heard some numbers thrown out there, and it sounds like it's something like $75 million over five years for a guy who hasn't even played a minute of NBA action that's pretty incredible and Jordan falling under that Nike umbrella they absolutely had to sign him after that shoe blowout issue during uh, his one season at Duke they could not let him go to another company and have that thrown in Nike's face the entire time but making him kind of the face of the Jordan brand which is I think what you'll see they don't they have a couple of you know all-star level players no one may be of the magnitude of, as Zion is they have Chris Paul they have Blake Griffin but Zion's the type of guy you can put on billboards all around I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a signature shoe at some point we'll probably see some zion ones or something like that in the near future and i think it just adds more credence that this is the, you know maybe the next big superstar here in the nba and people are starting to take some note and i think this goes a long way towards showing that you can be in a small market and you can still get those endorsement deals anthony davis wanted wanted to go to la to get those endorsements Depending on the type of person you are and your personality, you can get them wherever at this point, I think. It's more of a globalized uh, economy and league. So Zion getting that shoot you know, here in New Orleans I think is pretty big, and I think it means free agents can come here No, there's still endorsement money to have.
0: I don't I don't think this is being cynical because I'm pretty sure this is the the almost the entire reason behind this in that the the Pelicans the, the reports coming out now is that both opening night and on Christmas Day the Pelicans are going to have a game on both of those days the reports are that they'll be taking on the Denver Nuggets on Christmas Day and uh the Raptors on opening night that's uh that seems pretty big that the the league is already again heavily investing in promoting Zion Williamson in these sort of situations
2: yeah, you know, I, I thought they could be in the running for a Christmas Day game. Just to be on there, I think, is really good. I'm excited for that one. It's going to be at Denver, it sounds like. And you get two of maybe the better young cores in the league going up. And we'll, sh- you know, sh- certainly see these two teams facing off on, at, in the playoffs at some point. So to see them playing against the Denver Nuggets, you get Zion, Jokic, and everyone else in there is going to be a lot of fun. And then it sounds like the opening night game might actually be here in New Orleans. It's not necessarily going to be at Toronto. Where Elton John's playing a concert. and I don't know if you can bump Elton John out of the way there. So it sounds like the opening night game is going to be here in New Orleans. That's big against the defending champions on national TV. Uh, you know, I think it shows the the stock people are putting into Zion Williamson. They also have Anthony Davis coming back to New Orleans on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I always think of that as kind of a low-key, really good night of NBA action. That's going to be a lot of fun, and ESPN or ABC game, something like that. So they're going to be on national TV a whole lot more than they ever have been before. And I think it's kind of interesting to look at this and see – That Anthony Davis played on Christmas Day one time a couple of years ago at the Miami Heat. Zion, again, before he's even played in the league, is getting that marquee spot, which shows the interest in him, not necessarily this franchise, but this guy is a draw, and as long as he's here in New Orleans, they're going to keep putting him in national TV spots, I think, because he's so much fun to watch.
0: That's the thing. I haven't gone through and given my league pass rankings for the year, but I'm pretty sure the Pelicans are going to be up high. It's not just Zion. Guys like uh, Alonzo Ball are obviously fun. Drew Holiday is super fun, and speaking of Drew Holiday, Alvin Gentry was talking quite a bit about him recently, and talking about this team wanting to just push the pace and push it to an extreme level. They were at a really high pace last year, but Gentry's coming out with talk that he wants to, again, lead the league in pace and that Drew Holiday could be in for an absolutely fantastic season. Are we looking for Drew to just, you know, there's guys here that can handle the ball. Ingram can handle it. Lonzo can handle it. Zion's his main attraction. But how much is this team going to be Drew Holiday's team? You know, I think
2: it's 100% Drew Holiday's team. You've heard that message come from David Griffin. You've heard it come from Alvin Gentry. And they're giving him kind of free reign to be the man. Uh, David Griffin, in one of his interviews, said, sometimes you just have to be told you're allowed to dominate a game. And that's what they plan on doing for Drew Holiday. We've seen him be a very good scorer at times in the league. If you go back to the playoffs two years ago, the sweep of the Portland Trailblazers in the first round, I think he scored 40-plus in the in game four, the clinching game there. And he needed a 30-plus point game in that series while playing unbelievable defense as well. So we've seen what he can be as that go-to scorer. And Alvin Gentry wants to push it in transition, get easy buckets and open threes on the break for this team. But it starts on the defensive side of the ball, too. And that's why I think Drew Holiday is so important. You can't get those fast break opportunities unless you're getting stops and this team has been looking for what they call possession enders, and with all of the athleticism and length at almost every single position, they feel they're going to be able to play at that high level of pace because they can defend at that high level of pace, and I think that's really important too, but all the talk this offseason has been about Drew Holiday, what he's going to be allowed to do, and that this is his team. It's not Zion's right now. It will be in the future, but right now it's up to Drew Holiday. He's likely going to be one of the guys who leads the team in scoring. Wouldn't be shocked if he's number one there. He's going to get every chance he can to go out and do his thing. And we've seen flashes of brilliance with him. We know the defense is there. I'm going to be curious to see how he holds up offensively over an 82-game season.
0: Last question for you, Jake. The Pelicans had two of the biggest, I don't know if stars is the right word, or best performers at the Vegas Summer League. Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes really turned it up when they were allowed to play after the trade was processed. Which one of those guys impressed you the most?
2: Um, You know, I know Jackson Hayes had the highlight reel dunks there. I think he's still a very raw prospect uh, and is going to take some time to come on. I I was unbelievably impressed with Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Just the passing that he made with both his left and right hands, I think, trying to set up others and then kind of being that shot creator when they needed a bucket. It's summer league. You don't want to read too much into it. But he showed he could finish around the rim with both his left and right hand. I think that's really big for making a transition to the NBA, I came away unbelievably impressed with him. His length is good, too. He projects as a positive defender. I have high hopes for everyone from this draft class for the Pelicans.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Alexander was was probably the guy for me as well, but uh it might be hard for him to get minutes this season with Lonzo, with Holiday, with Josh Hart all uh, there. And Frank Jackson, he could easily jump ahead of Frank Jackson, but those three other guards probably ahead of him in the rotation at this point. Jake will have all that stuff covered for you over on Locked on Pelicans as the season uh begins, as the season uh, the preseason starts and lots of exciting times for the Pelicans coming up. Jake, thanks for jumping on Locked on NBA with me.
2: Of course, thanks for having me on, Josh.
0: Fantasy football players, make sure you listen to Vinny Iyer and Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. If you listen to the same stuff as everyone else, then your team will end up the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. Now I'm joined by one of the new hosts of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Troy Halliburton is here to talk about this Wizards team who um, it's... I don't know if it's going to be a fun season for for Wizards fans this season, Troy, but there are definitely some interesting things that we need to pay attention to. Number one of those is the fact that the Wizards aren't going to have John Wall for pretty much, So well, it looks like he's not going to play at all this season as he recovers from that Achilles injury that he suffered as he uh, slipped in the bath rehabbing for another foot injury last season. John Wall um, has had some interesting comments recently, Troy, uh, about the injury and about his contract that he's signed. Um... Yeah, where, does it, does it put anything, is, how much criticism has there been, uh, of Wall in the, in the DC area from Wizards fans over the past you know, year or so, especially with these injuries he's been dealing with?
3: I think that there has been a good bit of criticism from Wizards fans. I think that there has been a lot of confusion as far as how Wall even uh, had his Achilles injury. And I think that uh, the Wizards fans are just coming into the harsh reality that uh, because he signed that Supermax contract, uh, they really won't have the opportunity to be adding to uh, Bradley Beal uh, going forward.
0: With with Wall and his injury... There's been criticism of Wall, we've seen it painted not just in local media, but also across national media. Oh, look how look how fat John Wall looks. He looks out of shape. Um, his contract's the worst in all of sports. And he came out with an interview over the last couple of days talking about how much that has actually impacted him and a lot of self-doubt going into that. And this is something that you're not going to know about this, Troy, but a lot of what happens over here in, in Australia with the Australian Football League, there's been numerous players over the past couple of seasons, two players for the team that I, that I follow and support that have had to take. Time off from the game, and one actually retired due to mental illness, due to the pressure, depression, anxiety associated with playing sport at an elite level. We don't really see that sort of stuff publicised as much out in the uh, out in the NBA. But with this sort of thing happening. With Wall, you know, hearing this pressure, hearing us, or you know, well, hearing people talk about how bad his contract is, the self-doubt that comes in, then the, the body image and the shaming. Do we have to sort of maybe reassess or, or maybe remind ourselves that these guys, despite the fact that they're earning 200 plus million dollars and people will definitely jump on this and be saying, oh yeah, if I had 200 million dollars, uh, I'd be happy. But we still have to remember that they are people and this sort of stuff is, it can be really detrimental, not only to that person's own mental health, but for the team that you're supporting it can have really deleterious effects. All
3: right, so, yeah, I definitely believe that the, uh, the mental health aspect is something that uh, fans and media members should take into consideration. Uh, John Wall, uh, he actually had his uh, John Wall uh, Foundation book back drive, the sixth annual of sorts, where he uh, gets the community together and, and he brings out uh, 500 to 1,000 kids and he gives them school supplies to get ready for the next school year. And at that uh, point, John Wall talked about... Uh, the fact that you know he he himself he loves playing the game of basketball and that it's really not about the money, but some a bit of self doubt has crept in with him over the last uh, couple of months. Be- him feeling like maybe he didn't really earn his contract and and that he hears all of the talk about you know uh, people saying that he has the worst contract in the NBA right now. I think that John Wall is the type of person where he definitely hears. That stuff, and he wants to use it as fuel to kind of help him uh, uh, for for his comeback. So you know, he made it a point known uh, yesterday to uh, you know for people to keep the same energy. The people that are criticizing his contract now, because that he knows that he's going to be able to get back to the all star player that he was.
0: There's not one person alive that if someone came to you and said, you know what, in four years' time, we'll continue to pay you forty plus million dollars a year. The people, you know what. Probably not. Probably, uh, probably not sure. I'll take that money. There's not one person who would do that. Yeah, the, the the team offered it to him. John Wall accepted it. Accepted it. There's discussions going on, all that sort of stuff. So I don't think it's fair to to blame people for that. And I think we really do have to pay attention to the the mental health impact on this stuff. And again, there are going to be plenty of people who disagree with me. And oh man, if you earn that much money, you have got to be able to take it. But it's still we're still talking about people, and you can't. Yeah, people can talk about, oh, they just tune it out. They don't have to go on social media. You cannot tune it all out. It's everywhere you go, TV, radio, friends, people whispering as you walk past, there's John Wall, doesn't he look fat? Like all that sort of stuff. People would say those sort of things. and does have an impact. And then Wall had other comments as well, talking about Bradley Beal, which seems to be, the big story surrounding this Wizards team is with Will Beal either accept this 110 million dollar extension um, that the that the Wizards are or have offered him, or will they look to trade him? Now, the first question I ask you: Now, Waltz thinks that much like him, Beal will you know, seriously consider just taking that money because it's a lot of money to pass up on. Do you think that a Beal will take it, or do you think that the Wizards should, uh, in fact, trade him?
3: Well, I, I actually, uh, I don't, I don't think that Bill should take that deal, and I don't think that the Wizards should trade him. I, I believe that both things could possibly be true. I think that uh, Bill, take, for him to take the three-year, one hundred eleven million dollars extension at this point, it doesn't really make much sense because he literally can get more money down the road by signing the same exact extension. If he signs an extension next summer, he'll be able to get more than that three year, $111 million just, just by waiting. And then let's say perhaps a chance that he uh, is able to make one of the all NBA teams, that he would put himself to be eligible for the Supermax contract Just as John Wall was. So he he would be uh, putting himself able to make, you know, close to 100 million more dollars than that uh, 111 million dollars. So from a financial standpoint, it literally it just makes smart from a business standpoint for Bill to wait in order to see what type of contract that he can get in the future. And then as far as the Wizards uh, action is concerned, I don't, Bill has two years left on his contract. So it's not as if, you know, they offer him this contract extension right now and then they have to, you know, they have to start going into panic mode and automatically have to trade him. You know, this is, there, there's an opportunity there for them to play out the season, allow for Bill, to, allow for them to sell themselves to Bill and for Bill to, you know, kind of see what the franchise is going to be doing going forward. And, you know, they they can they can come back to this same issue next summer without without really losing any sort of leverage and making future build trades with other teams.
0: One thing I feel pretty confident with with Bill this season is that he won't play 37 minutes a night. Some of the playing time that he was getting last season under Scott Brooks was ridiculous. There was that stretch there in February where he was playing 40 plus minutes every single night. And yes, the Wizards needed him to be able to put up those numbers, but they were never making the playoffs. It was uh, ludicrous for a guy with a history of stress reactions in his leg. It was uh, it was pretty poor decision making from Scott Brooks and uh, and whatever was happening with that squad. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle Bill this season in terms of playing time. Obviously. He'll still play a, a starter's load, right? I'm I'm not all that confident he's going to be leading the league in minutes again.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not sure if that was really so much of a Scott Brooks decision. We have to take into consideration that uh, Ernie Grunfeld, who was the team's uh, president of basketball operations at the time, I mean, he was pretty much uh, um, competing for his job. So, I mean, and and the owner, of Talionsis, made it be very known that, you know, if the Wizards do not make the playoffs, that, you know, things would be changing. So, you know, at the trade deadline, when you have – uh, uh Ernie Grunfeld trading Otto Porter, bringing in Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker and doing other moves, getting rid of Mark Keith, bringing in Wesley Johnson. You know, he's still making moves, thinking that, you know, he's competing, wants the, key, the team to compete to make the playoffs. So he's trying to save his job. So, you know, they're, they're, the interests at at hand were a little bit uh, uh different and skewed at that point because, of you know, di- different things going on. Uh, Uh, At at the level above Scott Brooks. So whereas this year, I don't feel like Scott Brooks will have that pressure to be uh, playing Bradley Bill, you know, uh, extra minutes. I mean, I I believe Bradley Bill led the entire NBA in minutes played last season, which doesn't really make much sense for a team that won 32 games.
0: Well, I think that's example 101 as to why Ernie Grunfeld got fired. The fact that he thought that bringing Bobby Portis in for Otto Porter would help the team make the playoffs is a a questionable decision at best, but we'll see how this Wizards team is going to be tough going a lot of the time during the season, but Bill is going to be a highlight. Troy, you will have it all covered for us over on Locked On Wizards this season. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me.
3: I appreciate you having me on, Josh, and I'm excited to uh, help build up the Locked On podcast network and see what Locked On NBA can do for the upcoming season.
0: The new Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week was one of the most listened to NFL shows across the network. With the expert analysis of former NFL scout, Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock, Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. Let's go to the Bay Area now to speak with Charles Hamilton of Locked On Warriors. The big news for Golden State in the last couple of days, Charles, has been Draymond Green signing a contract extension. What are the details of that deal? Yeah, Draymond Green
1: signs for four years just under $100 million, and then you tack that on to the one year he's got left. He comes out to about five years, uh, 118 overall, and there had been rumblings about him potentially signing an extension this summer, but you know maybe it's my own reasoning that as soon as he signed with Rich Paul uh, as his agent, I thought he would hold out for just every single penny he could get, and uh, maybe that's you know my own incorrect outlook. But uh, yeah, he's locked up for the next five years. So is Clay Thompson. Steph's got three left on his deal, I believe, and then D'Angelo Russell four years. So. If this is the core moving forward, at the very least the main three core we know is Steph, Draymond and Clay, but if it works out with D'Angelo Russell, you know, they've got their core locked up for at least the next three
0: five for Draymond and Clay, and then four for uh, D'Angelo. So this contract extension takes Draymond through to about age 34 seasons, and who knows how this guy is, is going to age. I, I worry that maybe in a couple of years that some of that yeah, elite athleticism, um, defensive capability might fall off, and that might make this contract yeah, a little bit more troublesome than, than what it appears at the moment, but it is good to have this core locked in. Now, Draymond had what many would consider quite a down season. He only averaged seven points per game, and of course, his game's not predicated on scoring, but he had been a double-digit scorer in each of the previous four seasons with with the well-known absences of Kevin Durant of course, Klay Thompson for the majority of this season, is Draymond going to have to take on at least somewhat of a larger role, get that usage back up to that 17 18% he's been at in the past?
1: Yeah, somewhat.
0: Uh, you know, I think his career
1: high is uh, 14 yep. I don't think he'll get there. I uh, imagine he'll be back in double digits, and, yes, that usage will be up, especially because of the questionable depth behind Steph Curry. I mean, you know Andre was a ball handler so was uh, Andre Iguodala was a ball handler so was KD but now it's Jacob Evans who they're trying out at the point guard position we'll see how that works uh, Jordan Poole can handle a little bit but he's a rookie so you know how much will Steve Kerr trust him uh, definitely think Draymond will have the ball in his hand a lot more and that should lead to more scoring but probably more playmaking uh, more than anything that's you know what he's known for best so i would imagine we'll see a I, I don't know if it equals a better Draymond, but a, a more uh, scoring-minded Draymond,
0: for sure. That season where he averaged 14 points per game was also a season he shot 39% from three. Yeah. That's, uh, he's been a long way away from that. The last three years, 31-30, and then uh, a pretty poor 39, uh, tw- Sorry, 29% last season, yeah. although it did improve as the season went on. So there is, um, I guess, some hope that maybe he can get back to being a below average shooter, because at the moment he's a poor shooter, um, below average would be a, a big improvement. But you touched on something that is pretty interesting with this team, and that is the lack of depth. Jacob Evans played a lot of point guard in summer league and did it okay. And to me at this point, he is going to be slotted in as the backup point guard. Yes. D'Angelo Russell's a point guard as well, but Kerr in the past has shown a reluctance to stagger guys. Curry and Durant barely staggered at all. And I don't know if that'll be the case here with, with Curry and D'Angelo, so that one of them's on the court at all times. I don't imagine it will be. So it's going to push Evans into that role and, Charles, the lack of depth on this team. We could see guys like Evans, like Jordan Poole, like Eric Pascal in the uh, every-night rotation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm expecting it, honestly. Uh, You nailed it. Jacob
1: Evans is the backup point guard, and uh, they're going to give him every chance possible to fail. (laughs) He's going to be the guy every single night. Uh, I I don't see how Jordan Poole isn't a guy that plays 82 games, that doesn't have a, a... set rotation role yep. uh pascal the same thing i mean it's that's just how kind of short their depth is but one of the the bonuses to the draymond green um extension for me at least is that's off the table that's that's done it's not anything they have to worry about now now their focus can go to how do we find some depth at small forward and it might not be until next off season. i mean it most likely won't be but just the, the, every single priority has gone up one step now that Draymond's done. So it's depth at small forward. Uh, see what happens with D'Angelo Russell. They have a $17 million trade exception that expires about two days into free agency. So it, all these things have just become uh, a much higher priority now that Draymond's
0: deal is, is done. And of course, Draymond signing this extension takes him out of free agency next season, which is looking like going to be a really terrible class of free agents. We could see some poor contracts signed during that time. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, the only guy really, and every indication is, and of course, anything could change. And we've seen anything change at any point in the NBA. Uh, he's going to be going back to the Lakers. That, of course, could change. But there's no one else really who is considered a uh, a strong option to be a, uh, a big money free agent. And that's going to be interesting okay. to see how the way the, the league does handle that. But We talked about small forward and the need for small forwards. Who's the starting small forward on this Warriors team? (laughs) That is one hell of a question. It's Alfonso McKinney, maybe?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I'm thinking uh, by default, really. Uh, He is a nice story and a role player, and that's great. Uh, Steve Kerr trusts him. He's at least spent one year in the system. Uh, even though Steve Kerr, I think, will make some changes, which is one of the interesting parts about this upcoming season for the Warriors, is they're going to have to make some changes. But at the very least, he knows Alfonso McKinney. But I w- let's see how Glenn Robinson does. Is is really the main camp battle? I guess you could say that I'm looking at is Glenn Robinson, Alfonso McKinney, because Glenn Robinson has had solid years earlier in his career, and he's still young. I think he's 25. Uh, if he can prove that he can, you know, defend and knock down threes at a, a solid rate, he could easily take that spot. But for now, it's Alfonso McKinney. And you can also see a situation where, yes, Alfonso McKinney is technically the starter, but plays 15 minutes a night. And then a guy like Burks or Robinson or whoever, you know, is playing the bulk of the time at uh, at the three kind of similar to Zaza's role when he was the quote unquote starting center, but really only played about 10 minutes a night.
0: There, a couple of years ago, Glenn Robinson, when he was signed by the Pacers, he was in a battle with Boyan Bogdanovich to be the starting small forward, and then he suffered an ankle injury and that cost him the whole season, and since he's returned, he's been terrible. There's, there's mm-hmm. two ways about that. Maybe he can recover that form, but we're two years, three years removed from him actually being a serviceable NBA player. So there are a lot of question marks for the Warriors, but that hasn't stopped them, Charles, from allegedly or reportedly getting a Christmas Day game. Um, Probably not the same level of appeal as what we've seen in the past, but they're they're back on there um, against the Rockets. I believe the the is that, mm-hmm. yep. Um, is it in Golden State? That one I'm not sure about. Did not catch where it was, but yeah, it's going to be Rockets
1: Warriors uh, Christmas night. And I was that's something that I'm still interested in to see what happens with MLK Day as well. You know, some of the big uh marquee games for the nba the warriors have been slotted in there for the last five years no question and i was interested to see if it would be the same and i i honestly didn't know if they get a christmas christmas day game uh this year but sure enough them and the rockets again so you know the league at least expects them to be relevant i i I do too but uh some of the talk as soon as kd left was you know people were a little down on them but it I, i don't know the the league and tv networks at least still think they'll be relevant so uh it should be a good one, especially with Russ now uh, on the Rockets. It's definitely another uh, Golden State rival, so uh should be fun.
0: We're going to have a, definitely an, a, dif- a different Golden State season this, this year, Charles. You'll have all of that covered for us over on Locked On Warriors. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Yeah, anytime, man. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble, the network at LockedOnNBA.net on both Twitter and on Instagram. And make sure you're subscribing to this podcast on your favorite podcast app, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or, of course, on Himalaya as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.